the stories of Jesus are not merely for entertainment. They're parables that demand a reaction and reveal the heart. On The Bible Brief. Our goal is to get 100 new monthly supporters before the end of 2023. Will you be one of the 100? Give today at BibleLit.org. From Psalm number 78. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter obscure sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known, that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from our children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of Yahweh and His might, and the wonders that He has done. The ministry of Jesus throughout Judea could be characterized by three main points. He miraculously healed those with sickness and disease. He fulfilled prophecies about himself, and he preached the good news of the kingdom of God. It's not difficult to understand the appeal of Jesus to these multitudes. Physicians couldn't heal them, but Jesus could. The current religious authorities looked down on them, but Jesus didn't. And this altogether unique man was starting to fulfill ancient words spoken about the greatest figure to ever step upon the world stage. Yet one of the most intriguing aspects of Jesus' ministry is the content of the good news that he preaches. While he continues John's message saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he yet adds content to this concerning the kingdom. This additional content is largely taught in the form of what are called parables. Now, parables were not an innovation of Jesus, but a historical method of storytelling wisdom that Jesus uses for his teaching. Parables are short stories, often using setting and characters familiar to the audience, but used for the purpose of making a moral or spiritual point. Parables, however, aren't merely entertainment. Instead, they require the listener to react internally to the story. Sometimes the reaction is elucidated by a question at the end of the parable, but other times the question is inherent to the story itself. For example, in describing the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says this short parable, The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. A close listener would learn that the kingdom of heaven is so valuable that a pearl merchant sells all of his assets to acquire this one single asset of ultimate value. And the question to the listener is this, would you be like the merchant and sell all that you have for the kingdom of heaven, or would you keep on with business as usual? With parables, Jesus is able to teach concepts that require a response rather than simple didactic teaching. Think how the effect of this pearl parable would be reduced if Jesus had only said something like this, The kingdom of God is very valuable. That statement would be easy to nod along with, but it wouldn't urge the internal response for long-lasting effect on the listener. With all that said, let's listen to another parable that Jesus says about the kingdom. 
The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No less than gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. Now, for a listener, responding to this parable might be difficult upon first hearing, but we have enough elements to understand at least the core of it. The kingdom of heaven is compared to a man who spread good seed on his land, but an enemy comes and spreads weeds among the good seed. Then rather than uproot the weeds along with some of the good crop, the farmer decides to let the good and bad grow together until the harvest, when the good wheat and the bad weeds are separated the wheat to the master's barn, and the weeds to the fire. Now, since Jesus told this story in a specific way, we know that the good and bad each have a protagonist, the master of the house and the enemy. Both good and bad have corresponding crops too, and the good and bad grow together until the harvest. Given that the parable is about the kingdom of heaven, what do you think each of the elements in the parable represent? What do you think the harvest is? What's your immediate reaction to the parable? Thankfully, in private with his disciples, Jesus explains this parable for us. He says this, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father." With the explanation by Jesus, we see a fuller picture of this parable. Jesus himself is the farmer who sows the good seed, those kingdom citizens who belong to him. Satan is the enemy who sows the weeds, those members of his wicked kingdom always trying to usurp the rule of Jesus. But finally, at the end of the age, the kingdom citizens enjoy a purified kingdom, while the wicked are thrown into the fiery furnace. Jesus reveals a lot about the world in just a few paragraphs, especially the nature of the kingdom of heaven. It's a kingdom that has citizens right alongside non-citizens, a mixture in the world, only to be separated at the end of the age, before the culmination of the purified kingdom occurs. But lest the people miss the subtlety of the kingdom's gradual, inevitable expansion in the midst of the world, Jesus says this parable, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. 
It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. As one of the people of Judea, your reaction to these parables might have been a mixture of shock and disbelief. As you had been taught the Hebrew Bible, you had understood that the kingdom would come suddenly. God would plant the seed of David on David's throne in Jerusalem, and the king would reign in supremacy over the whole world. What Jesus was saying here was nothing less than a complete paradigm shift for his listeners. The suddenness of the conquering kingdom wouldn't be until the end of the age. Instead, the kingdom would have citizenship expansion prior to its sudden reign and supremacy on the earth. Jesus was taking the Hebrew Bible, and he was adding details to it that hadn't yet been revealed. It's no wonder that he later said this parable to his disciples who had understood. He said, Every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. Jesus knew that through these parables, he was changing the expectation of the kingdom. He knew that these would be difficult to hear for the oppressed Jews under the heel of the Romans. Just as he brought treasures to bear in teaching them from the Hebrew Bible and the Law of Moses, Jesus was also sharing new information about what was coming next for the world. This mixture of old and new would be a feature of his disciples in coming years too, no matter how it would shift the paradigm of the listeners. The parables of Jesus are rich in meaning, even as many of them are light on words. They explore the nature of the kingdom of God, the timing of the ages, and the values of kingdom citizens. But perhaps the most beloved of the parables are the ones that help us see the love of God for lost sinners. Parables like this one about two sons and a loving father. There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his field to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. 
and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But the older son was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. God's love is shown in his rejoicing at the return of his prodigal son. Yet even in this parable, we're left with questions that cause reactions. This wasn't just about the son who squandered his inheritance. It was also about the unforgiving son who resented his father's celebration. There are two sons in the story. And the question is, which one are you? Are you the apparently righteous who looks down upon a repenting sinner? Or are you the repenting sinner returning to the Father for mercy? Jesus shares a parable. Then he leaves it up to you to react. Join us next time as Jesus reveals why he speaks in parables, a revelation of light revealing darkness in hearts. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023